choose your market. It doesn't make any difference what it is. If you go into the market and you look at the house prices and you look at the rental rates and you cannot make a deal cash flow, it doesn't really make any difference what the underlying economy looks like. It's, it's a broken market for me. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason J. Lou Lewis. And today, we're very excited because we have a special guest on that's going to be talking about emerging markets, essentially going out investing in the markets that are cash flowing, riding that wave up, and then taking advantage of the opportunity to sell and go diverge into a new emerging market. And given the current economic situation that we're currently having, I think there might be some opportunity out there to find some possibly new emerging markets. So today we have Mr. Ron Phillips on. Ron, welcome, good sir. Hey, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, great. So uh, it looks like you're CEO of RP Capital. And from what I understand, that is based in Salt Lake, but you live in the amazing town of Charleston. I see the little uh, cool tree in the background uh, there in your video. Um, But you actually don't do business in either of those markets. My my guess is is because those have already kind of emerged per se. Um, but it sounds like you invest and do deals in other markets around the U.S. Yeah, I mean, uh, for instance, in in Salt Lake, I just had a friend because I've lived here for two and a half years. And I just had a friend that that emailed me yesterday and said, "Hey, man, can you help me sell my house? I've got a tenant in it. It looks like it's perfect for you guys." And I'm like, "Cool, yeah. Tell me how much the rent is and um, what you want for it." And he said, "Rent's about nineteen hundred dollars, and the price is four hundred sixty thousand." And I said. No, man, that doesn't work. I'm sorry. You should, you know, when your when your lease is up, get the tenant out and sell it on the retail market, man, because that doesn't work. Um, and yeah, you know, it's real simple math. I mean, the, the rent has to be two times that uh, to be able to work, right? So, <clears throat> what we do is we sell. You know, when the market falls apart, you can go into really high appreciating markets like that, and you can buy because then they cash flow. And then those crazy appreciating markets, um, you know, out west on the east coast, places where you know there's crazy appreciation, you can ride that wave up while you're cash flowing, and then you can reposition that money into safer markets where there's cash flow almost all the time, and then just sit there and and you you receive all the cash flow, and the next time the market cycles, you just do the exact same thing: go buy in those areas and then reposition it into safe cash flow markets. So right now we're in a we're in a market condition where you know we've been going up now for over ten years. Um, it's not the time to go buy in Utah. I mean, you know, prices have probably doubled in that particular neighborhood in the last you know ten years. So at, at least in some of those yeah. areas in Salt Lake, yeah. doubled, if not two and a half xed. Yep. So that's that's not a good time to buy in those markets. Um, so and, and plus the numbers just don't work. Um, and actually, in Salt Lake, they never really did work very well. They worked they worked better in Boise and in Vegas and in Phoenix and in Florida because the markets fell apart more than Utah did. Yeah. Well, let's let's we normally ask the question: uh, When was your first real estate deal? Kind of take us back to the beginning that got you into the game that we call real estate. 
Yeah, it was 1999. And yeah, I, I had, uh, I was actually out of work looking for a job and I'd been interested in real estate. I had I'd gotten a book by uh, Rich Dad, um, Rich Dad's Guide to Investing, I think was the first one I read about, about real estate. And um, I was actually looking through a newspaper, believe it or not, that's how long ago this was. Um, and I found an ad that said, you know, millionaire real estate guy seeks apprentice or whatever, which uh, everybody listening to this now knows is a, is a cattle call for, a, for a, uh, some kind of a seminar, right? But I thought it was a job and I was like, oh, this is perfect. <clears throat> so I get there and there's a room full of people and this guy sells everybody into a uh, 2,500, I think it was $2,500 uh, two or three day boot camp. Um, with that I went to, and then I got out in my first week, I was on fire, man. I was like, man, this is great. This guy's going to pay for my deal. All I got to do is go do all the work done. So I, I went out and found this uh, house and, um, it had a problem as all good deals do. It had a problem. You walk in the, in the front door and there was a huge stain on the ceiling because the roof had leaked and the lady had fixed the roof, but she didn't, she didn't have the money left to fix the stain. And um, so anyway, I negotiated with her and I didn't have any money either, right? So I went there and I, I'm going to do this option contract that I learned about in this cool seminar. And um, my option consideration was to fix the roofs, fix the ceiling. And I said, you know, if you, worst case scenario, if I don't do anything, you're going to have a ceiling that's fixed, right? Second problem was I didn't know how to fix the ceiling. So I went and I got my brother and I said, dude, if you help me fix the ceiling and I'll split my end of the profits with you. And so he came in and I, th I think the drywall and everything cost us maybe 150 bucks or whatever to fix this thing. And the next week, first, first time we put it out on the market, it sold. Um, we made just under 20 grand. Um, and the moral of the story, I guess, or the, the bigger piece of this story is that the guy from the seminar turned it down. So he could have had my brother's end of the profits, but he decided to turn it down and, you know, I had to go find a way to do it because I knew there was a deal there based on what the guy had taught me. And um, so I did. I just went and figured out how to make it happen. And um, I never, never turned back after that. I've been doing real estate ever since. Awesome. So was this uh, a deal that you had cold called? Do you door knock? Do you send a letter? How did you acquire the deal? And then at that time, did you sell it on the open market, the retail side, or did you wholesale it, flip it? Yeah, we just, um, we, we didn't use a realtor. We just put it in the, uh, you know, local publications and um, we sold it on our own. Um, so it wasn't a wholesale deal. It was a retail deal that people bought it to live in. <clears throat> um, and I found it through, um, through people I know. And um, in, 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 this lady, uh, the house was, was a lady that I knew. And I didn't know she had this problem. Somebody else told me she had this problem. And I was like, well, well I'll go see if I can help fix it. And I did. And um, the, other, the other really cool thing is, is that, you know, she was, she was going to get kicked out of the house. Um, and we were able to give her a, a bunch of the money as well. She had quite a bit of, of equity. So we gave her a bunch of the money so that she could move on. Um, so she, she, it, was a, it was a true win-win. She won, I won, my brother won, and these people moving in won because we, we listed the property just a little bit under market. And um, yeah, so... It was a great, it was a great deal. Completely opened my eyes to the fact that you can, you can do just about anything in real estate if you just open your mind up a little bit and, and well, get creative. Hence. Exactly. Yeah. That, uh, 
originally even the guy posting that ad back in the day that was creative i some people say it's it's right or wrong or kind of slimy i'm not saying not diving into that but it was even creative for him to go out and post the ad and get your attention and then you went there you took the seminar you took that initiative and then you went out and this is the key i think to our listeners is that you actually took action I mean, so many of the people that go to those classes and seminars take it, pay the money, and then go back to, I mean, Netflix wasn't around at that time, but then they go back to watching their, the newest episode of Netflix versus actually taking action that evening after the course is done. So uh, the biggest well, thing I, is you took action. I think, you know, the other thing too is that um, when I submitted this just like he told me, right? So, I mean, I... I I did their sheet, which back in the day, we had to fax this in, right? I mean, this doesn't seem that long ago, man, but, but yeah. I was using fax machines and putting stuff in newspapers. So, and going to the courthouse and looking through like microfish, this is insane stuff. It's crazy just, just how, how much has changed in, in not too short of a time. Anyway, this guy denied, they denied me. And I'm like, and for a second, I was a little bit crushed because I had trusted that I went down there, learned how to do this deal. And then... I went out and did the work and found the deal. They were going to fund it. And I didn't have the money to do this deal. So, you know, for, a, for that whole day, I was, I was pretty crushed, man. I was like, man, here I found this deal and I can't do it. And I woke up the next day and I'm like, well, wait a second. The guy, he taught me how to do it. All I need to do is figure out how to take this option that I've got and turn this thing into, it's, there's a deal there. I just got to figure out how to make it happen. And so I did. But I think a lot of people in, in that instance would have just gone back to doing whatever and, and let that crush them. Um, and in real estate, the cool thing is, is that there's almost always a way. There's almost always a way. If there's a deal, there's a way to put it together. Sometimes you just got to sit back, take the blinders off and go, okay, What's the real problem here? Can I actually fix the problem? And if I can fix the problem, well, then there's a way to make this thing work somehow, right? For sure. He who holds the deal wins yep. and you had the deal and you won. So it's pretty, pretty cut and dry. If you can get out there and hustle and find the deal, then you can make it happen. So um, well, let's, let's dive into what we kind of wanted to talk about at the beginning is now that we've kind of heard your story and going back, back to the, uh, 2000 era, which is crazy that the fact that it's 20 years ago, isn't 200 years ago. And there was microfish and fax machines and before zoom, it's really, that's, if people work 40 years, that's, that's literally just half of their career and how much has changed in the real estate game technology wise is quite amazing, I guess you could say. So um, it's insane, man, because yeah. I stood in line in 2007 for an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. An iPhone, like now every, like everybody has smartphones. Yeah. But before that, when I would go to my seminars that I would speak at in LA, in Southern California, I used a map like an actual book map I used to be able to find crap back then. And it wasn't that long ago. It was like 2005, 2006. It wasn't until 2007. I actually, there was a, like a map quest was this big, huge thing, right? Yeah. Nuts. 
Yep. And I think that's how much stuff is even changing the next few years. And that's why we launched this podcast is you have to be creative because there's someone going to, is going to take advantage of that new opportunity because the next iPhone is going to come out. The next fax machine is going to come out voice ringless voice text uh, and text texting and all the different things that happen to get that next deal is we don't know what that is in six or 12 months. And, but there's going to be something new and someone's going to take advantage of it to get the deal that you, you wanted. So, um, and speaking of deals, let's jump into it. So emerging markets, tell us about how you find the next emerging market, when to get out of that market, how to ride it up, just anything that you would like to do that tell us that is the creative aspect of, of what you do. So, you know, I think that uh, people like to overcomplicate things. And rather than sit here and, and go through a whole data mining session, which is boring as hell, um, it's, this is easy, easy stuff. It's simple math, right? So you, you don't go into, there's a, there, I have one unbreakable rule in real estate, and that is that you do not buy real estate that doesn't cash flow positive. And so if you're buying, and that's for long-term real estate, right? If you're doing flips and things like that, obviously it's not going to cash flow. But if you're buying rental property, um, so many people buy, I, I just, we, we just had a guy who called in the other day and he was wondering why we didn't buy in markets that had better appreciation. And I'm like, well, dude, if you go to those markets right now, then you're going to have negative cash flow. He's like, that's fine. I can afford it. I'm like, yeah, you can afford it until you can't afford it. Um, and what happens if next year the market doesn't appreciate? Well, then you've not only have you bought an asset that is negatively cash flowing for you, but there's zero upside in it, you know? So we don't buy for appreciation. We buy for cash flow. Cash flow is the name of the game. So my number one unbreakable rule is cash flow. So if you, if you go into a market, choose your market. It doesn't make any difference what it is. If you go into the market and you look at the house prices and you look at the rental rates and you cannot make a deal cash flow, doesn't really make any difference what the underlying economy looks like. It's, it's a broken market for me. I, I won't go there. And, um, and then the same thing, right? So as the market conditions change, like let's, let's rewind just a little bit. If you go back to, you know, 2007, 2006, 2007, markets that were appreciating like mad where everyone was buying, everyone was buying for the wrong reasons, those markets all got pummeled. The time to go into those markets is after they get pummeled. Because in Phoenix, in Florida, like in Florida, I bought my first property in Florida just after the crash in 2009. We bought a property down there for $35,000. It was brand new. It had never been lived in. Thirty-five grand Rent on it was seven fifty dollars at the time. Now it's you know, way higher than that. It was a brand new house for crying out loud. I mean, you, can't, you, can't, you couldn't build it. You could, back in the day, you couldn't even, that was the lot cost. Um, was probably more than $35,000. That's the time to go and buy in those markets. And then those markets go through the roof. Then everybody wants to jump in and buy, which is the wrong time. So what we do is we go into those markets, buy, ride them up. And then the Midwest and the South, those markets are almost always cash flowing, almost always. So then you go into those markets and you pick the ones that have the best underlying economies, the most diverse economies. So that you're, you know, if one, one piece of the economy, for instance, back in the day, um, the automobile industry got hit really hard, which annihilated Detroit because they really had, there's one industry up there and it got, 
it got hit really hard. So the idea is to go into markets that have, you know, diverse, underlying, strong economies where the economics are going in the right direction and that you can get strong cash flow. Stronger what, the better. What are some of those that you feel have that underlying strong base? Yeah, mo- mostly in the Midwest and the South. So, I mean, take, take your pick. You, you know, I'm from Kansas City. We talked about that before we got on. Kansas City is always a, it's a good market for cash flow. And there's a really strong, um, diverse base there. Tons of companies there, all from different market segments. Oklahoma City, I mean, uh, just, just go through the Midwest and, and you can find these markets. They're all over the place. We're in eight markets right now. But those markets change based on what's going on with market conditions. Sometimes those markets, we were in Florida not too many years ago. It's really hard now. We're in Florida in a couple of markets, but we don't sell very much down there because the deals have to be really good, which means the, the builders or the rehabbers have to buy a really good deal and then they have to be willing to give it to us for less than they can put it on the retail market and sell it for. Because right now the retail market doesn't work anymore in those markets. And, and are you, what are you buying? It, it's a good question there is, are you buying flipped houses? Or are you buying fixer uppers and fixing them there yourself? What are you out there looking for um, both on the, on the side of the rising equity and then on the side of uh, your, your cash flow place? So we, we work with builders and rehabbers, right? So none of my clients want to buy a, a fixer upper because they're all of my clients are, are busy professionals. People don't have time for that nonsense. They just want something that's done and cash flowing, right? So we work with the people who make that happen. We work with builders and rehabbers in these marketplaces and, um, and they're, they're delivering a product that's already done. It's either brand new construction or it's newly renovated. In, in each one of those marketplaces. Are, so are these we're constantly looking for people who, who can supply um, good product in, in the marketplaces that we're in? So are these turnkey, a lot of the, the uh, sellers that you're working with are turnkey providers or? Um, yeah, um, I mean, I hate that term, but I know everybody yeah. understands it. So yes, that's, that, that, is, that is what it is, right? They're rental properties. Yep. Um, I, I think- Is it with or without tenants most of the time when you're buying or are they- Nearly vacant? all of ours have tenants when they, when they move, yeah, when more people yeah. buy it. Sometimes not, um, because sometimes we'll sell new construction that's you know, six or eight months out um, and then people will close on it, um, when it when we have a certificate of occupancy um, and, then, and then generate the tenants um, later. Usually they're getting a better deal because they bought it, you know, pre-construction. Right. What do you see as opportunities in the next six to 12 months? What should someone do that's interested in buying a, uh, maybe a Midwest type property? They're ready to go. COVID hit. They have their 30 to 50, 100K in, in capital. What would you say to that, that buyer? Um, I, I think what I'm telling people is the same thing I'm doing, right? So um, if, you're, if, the, if your buy box um, was X before COVID, I'm not sure why it would change half post-COVID. I mean, it might, might get better, but I, I think people who think that the market is going to completely fall apart, I, I don't see that happening. I do think we're going to have some sectors that are going to get hit a little bit more than others. Um, but I think if, if you are looking for X return and you can get X return, 
um, in a marketplace where tenants are paying, then, you know, I'm buying and I, and I think other people should as well. I do think that you should, um, I do think you should keep probably more cash than, you know, pre COVID, but we tell people you got to have reserves for all your properties anyway. Right. So if, if you're buying properties, if you have reserves and you're not taking all of your cash and dumping it into something, which you should never do anyway, then you'll be fine. Um, and I think, I think people should look for, um, the best cash flowing deals they could possibly get period. And I think that's what they should be looking for all the time. And I've been teaching that since 2005 and I, it really hasn't changed. You get better deals in 2010 than you can in 2007. Absolutely. You can. Does anybody know when 2010 is going to happen when they're in 2007? No, nobody really does. So, and I actually did a, 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 a historical look back to see from the top of the market, if you bought in the, at the top of the market in a cash flowing market where you actually had cash flow and you held that property for 10 years and during that 10 year cycle, another person actually waits for the bottom and then buys, the returns are really are not that different because the person lost five years of cash flow. They lost five years of principal reduction from somebody paying their, their, their rent down. And they really didn't lose any money when the market dropped because they didn't sell their house, right? So cash flow heals all of that stuff and it, it levels the market out because there are four returns when you're buying cash flow properties, not just one. Um, everybody worries about the one. And if you're a rehabber, if you're a flipper, if you're building homes, you have to worry about that one. That's the one that actually makes you money. If the market drops and you bought a house to flip, and all of your profit margin just went down, um, you're screwed. But if I buy a house at the top of the market in 2007 and it cash flows and I'm getting a 12% cash on cash return and the market drops, I'm okay unless I have to sell that house, right? And I don't have to sell it if it's cash flowing. So I can just wait until the market comes back. It's no big deal. But if you buy a house and it doesn't cash flow and the market falls out and you lose your job, you're screwed. You're going to lose all of your properties. You're going to lose your personal residence and you're going to screw up your credit and you're not going to be poised to be able to buy when everything falls apart. So that's what I would tell people is real estate. You can make good deals all the time. All of the big players in the business that I know right now are still making really good deals. Yeah. We, one of the first ones I bought back in 2006 was in Kansas City and it cash flowed then. It took a, a decent hit in 2010, 2011, but I bought it for cash flow and didn't really affect me too much. The market has ridden, you know, rose up during that time and gone past where I prior bought it in 06. And uh, we did a similar 10-year analysis on that property to kind of see when we bought it, if we would have bought it in 2010, would it have mattered? And, and we came to a similar conclusion as yourself is that we were still better off buying that in 2006 and having the market dip because we didn't have to sell. And that's something I'm a huge believer in is the only time you really lose real estate or lose in real estate is when you're forced to sell. Historically, yep. if you're able to hold on to it, it historically has gone back up to where you bought it and most likely above. It's simply staying power and that's making and, sure and, that you're in the right position. And Jason, during that time, 
where like in the stock market, if it loses value and it comes back, like our, our market just did, during that drop and recovery, you're making nothing, nothing. So even if you're a long-term holder in the, in the stock market, you're making nothing. Where in real estate, you've lost one of the four returns. That means you're still getting three. You're still getting your cash flow like you did. Someone is still in your house paying off your mortgage, right? They're paying off your principal, which is a return. And you're getting tax benefits for having that property the entire time. Those three add up to significant double-digit returns, period, end of story. And the other one comes back just like the stock market. I would prefer to get paid in the interim. If I have to lose money on, on appreciation or uh, my gains, I would prefer to get paid three other ways while I'm waiting for the market to recover, just like you did in Kansas City. Yeah, it's, it's now, I think that one's, uh, we owe 89000 on that. And 15 years or so holding that asset, it's, it's almost getting close to being paid off. So um, very big believer in, in the staying power of, of real estate when you're, when you're buying rent, rentals. So well, I think that's a, a great way to transition into our quick break and then we'll come back for the five o'clock. Hey, it's Adam Adams and I am thrilled and excited to announce the launch of my brand new, brand new YouTube channel. So I don't know if you like YouTube or not, if you watch YouTube or not, but if you do, head over and please subscribe to the Apartment Investing Show. This YouTube channel is 100% about apartments only. If you're looking to fix and flip, not the right show for you. If you're looking to invest in hotels, not the right show for you. This is the apartment investing show. And I mean the apartment investing show and I'm thrilled and excited about it. If you can, do me a giant favor, run over there right now if you're a YouTube watcher and find the apartment investing show, please Give me a rating and a review, like give us a thumbs up and subscribe, click that bell. We're going to be pushing out some amazing content on the YouTube channel. So if you are looking to scale and grow and get into apartments, whether it's syndication or just owning these on your own, the Apartment Investing Show is the right show for you. Go look for the Apartment Investing Show on YouTube right now, and I'll see you there. We are back with Ron, and we are going to jump right into the final five. Ron, tell us about your most creative real estate deal. Man, I, th- I actually think my most creative real estate deal was the first one that I did. And the reason I say that, we already talked about it, but the reason I say that is because I didn't know anything. It's easy to be really creative in real estate when you've been doing it for 20 years and you know a million different ways to do a deal. But when you can pull something off like I did in my first one, I, I, I still, like when I drive by that house in my hometown when I go back, because um, I was in my hometown uh, in Missouri, um, I like, my heart starts beating. I mean, that thing completely altered my life and it was really creative, you know, and I've done, I've done all kinds of different deals, but um, that one where I could, I could actually, with very limited knowledge, just figure out how to make that deal work with no money. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put that one out there as my most creative deal. I've done some other things that's, that have been pretty cool, but nothing beats that one in my book. Nothing. That's awesome. Fixing a, fixing a, a, a leak 
well, it wasn't even a leak anymore, but fixing that, that deal for an option consideration, I don't even know where that came from when I was negotiating with this lady, but I, I could literally couldn't afford her to give any option consideration. I was, that was it. Right. Uh, so anyway, that's awesome. Uh, f- where do you see the market in five years? And at that time, where do you see yourself? Oh man, five years. Uh, with the way technology is going right now, I honestly don't even know um, where the market is going to be in five years. I, I'm not even sure that I know where the market's going to be in 12 months to 18 months. I do think this though, the real estate market will take a little bit of a hit in the next 12 to 18 months. And then I think it will come back. At some point between now and the next five years, we're going to have to have a, a market reset. Um, I just don't think it's going to be this year. I think it's going to be uh, sometime after this year. And I don't think it's going to have anything to do with COVID. So, but we've been going way too long to not have a market correction. So in the next five years, we will have a reset. There will be incredible deals. I think the office space market is going to get jacked up after this COVID thing, because people have now realized that they can work from home. They've realized they can hold meetings like you and I are holding right now. I don't know about you, man, but I've been on Zoom calls like eternal Zoom calls since uh, this thing happened. And uh, there's a big consensus. People are realizing that that really big bill that they have for office space is an unnecessary expenditure. And I think those are going to get hit really, really hard post. How's that? Yeah. On that office space topic, uh, it hits hits home with me because in our kind of hometowns of Kansas City, that's where I got started, was I was working as an office tenant rep for CB Richard Ellis, the world's largest commercial real estate firm in Kansas City. And that's how I, all the commissions I made from office brokering went into buying single family cash flowing assets. And that's essentially how, how I got started. So seeing this effect on office space, um, I've been in that office brokering game for 15 years. Um, it's not our main focus now, but it is, I get, I get daily emails. People asking me, Mike, Hey, how's this going to affect, uh, the market, uh, in the office? And I don't know, but it's definitely going to have an effect without a doubt. It's going to have an effect. I think, you know, if if you have, I was just telling, we were, I was just on a, a call yesterday with a mastermind group, um, I belong to. Um, and we were talking about, I said, you know, you, you, if you, if you're going to buy in that space, a, I think you're able to get good deals then you need to concentrate on turning your space into a space that of people that have to have office space, physicians, you know, chiropractors, restaurants are horrible because most of them fail, but they need a space, right? Um, I have a daycare in one of mine. They have to have a space. Uh, Businesses that must have spaces is what you need to make your building. uh, That's what you need to make sure that it, it has everything that those people need. But the, the, the regular office building stuff, I think that stuff's going to get hit hard, man. I think it's going to yeah. get hit hard. Yep. And book. What's, what's a book that you like to read or recommend to people? Right there, Compound Effect. Um, I, we actually send this to our clients who buy. This is a perennial for me. I read it two or three times a year. It is the easiest read on the planet. Darren Hardy nails it in this book. This, the compound effect works in every single aspect of your life. If you can understand compounding, 
there's no way if you actually, well, I guess you can understand it and then not act on it and it won't do you any good at all. But if you understand compounding and you actually put it to work in your life, doesn't even matter. Financial life, spiritual life, health makes no difference. This is a game changer book right here. And that's why we send it to our clients. Um, and I've, I give this thing out all the time to people. I have 10 copies in my house. I love this book. There you, there you go. go. That, that, that's a, I'm in, I'm in. All right. Way that you give back to the real estate community. Uh, way to, uh, so I have a podcast. We don't sell anything on it. It's just a, it's called a get real. And then I added estate so that I could be clever, get real estate success podcast. Um, it's just a show where we, we get real about real estate because it's not all sunshine and lollipops in the real estate world and in the business world. So I give back that way. Um, and then in any other way, man, I try to get on podcasts like this and just give information about, you know, what I think my experience over the last couple of decades of doing this. Um, I try to speak, um, places when people, when my friends call me and ask me to speak. Um, yeah, man, I, I, our, our whole company is based on give first, you know, and, and I, I have a firm believer in that. Actually, I think that's why that's the way you succeed. Another book, give and take fantastic book about that subject specifically in business. Great read. Great. And listeners will throw the link to his podcast in the show notes below as well. So you can go check that out and have a listen. And lastly, if people want to reach out to you, learn a little bit more, or maybe learn more about these emerging markets that you're helping these investors in, what's the one way uh, for them to reach out to you? Uh, info at rpcinvest.com stands for RP Capital. Info at rpcinvest.com. Shoot me an email um, and um, I'll shoot you a free copy of my book. I'll shoot you a free special report, whatever you want. I'm all about giving. So just shoot me an email. I'm happy to, happy to help however I can. Awesome. Thank you, Ron. And we'll make sure all that is in the show notes as well. But we want to thank our awesome guest, Mr. Ron Phillips, uh, for all the information and creative ways that he's provided to us today to get into the real estate game. Awesome, man. I, I appreciate it being here. Thanks. Great. Well, listeners, as always, until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. Jason Lewis and myself, Adam Adams, are grateful to have you as a loyal listener. And I do have one quick favor to ask is if you are looking for apartment investing, then go to apartmentinvestingshow.com. That is the brand new YouTube channel that I just launched. Brand new YouTube channel. Uh, again, this is only for apartment investing. That's all we talk about there. It is the Apartment Investing Show, and you can find it by going to apartmentinvestingshow.com. <laughs>